Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've been thinking about ways of sustaining our spirituality and faith during this pandemic. And this morning, I want to talk about what is often referred to as the long, dark night of the soul and how to navigate times of spiritual crisis in our lives. You know, seasons change as I look out the window. I note that last weekend and the trees across the road, they were this beautiful golden, yellow, red and orange colour. But as is the way in Glasgow, often the wind and the rain has now come and the leaves are on the ground and the trees are just looking a bit bare and barren. And as the clocks go back this weekend, it's a reminder for us all that winter is approaching. And there can be times in our lives where we enter into a spiritual winter, a time when we feel like that tree, devoid of leaves, when our spiritual lives just feel a bit barren. What does it mean to sustain our spirituality at times like that? phrase the long dark night of the soul was first coined by St John of the Cross. He was a Carmelite monk who lived in the 1500s and he identified this experience of times of darkness in our lives and he spoke about how actually often they can be used by God in quite a profound way. A time uh, when God leads us through times of trial or difficulty uh, but in that in which he seeks to grow our faith. And he talked about these times of darkness in our lives when our whole soul is plunged into darkness and God, who once spoke so clearly, appears to be momentarily silent. It's this double perspective which identifies the long, dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul, as he described it, is not simply the experience of suffering, but it's experiencing suffering while also experiencing what feels like the silence of God. I wonder if you've ever known a season like that in your own life. A time when you've known suffering in your life and experienced darkness, perhaps even to the point of feeling as if death is closing in on you and you've cried out to God and you've prayed but it seems that your prayers are just rattling around the room and God seems distant and far away and silent. Perhaps that resonates with you. And for many of us, when we experience such things, it can lead to a feeling of spiritual confusion, of turmoil, of questioning. The good news is, that spiritual experiences like this are reflected in scripture, especially within the Psalms. And so it is biblical and right that we consider it this morning. The Old Testament uh, theologian Walter Brueggemann, perhaps you've heard of him, he says that there are three types of Psalms. There are Psalms of orientation which help us to find our way in life. Then there are psalms of disorientation which help us to express uh, something of that confusion and turmoil and pain we often experience. And then there are psalms of reorientation, psalms that help us to find God again, uh, to find perspective on God and life again and find salvation. 
Psalm 88 is one of uh, a number of psalms of disorientation in the Bible and within these psalms we find descriptions of the long dark night of the soul. Now these psalms express for us graphically just feelings of darkness and despair, of loneliness, abandonment, fear and pain. I'm going to read some of the words of Psalm 88 to you. One of the darkest spiritual psalms we have. It begins with the psalmist kind of crying out to God, and yet sensing no answer or reprieve from what he's experiencing. And the psalm ends with the words that say, Darkness has become my closest friend. Words are going to be on the screen. Read along with me. It says this. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken me from my closest friends and have made me repulsive them. I am confined. I cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? In my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and I'm in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbour. Darkness is my closest friend. Wow. Powerful psalm written from a dark place. And maybe it resonates with you this morning. Maybe even today it feels like darkness is your closest friend. Or maybe you can relate to that feeling from a time that you have gone through in your life previously. You might be surprised to find these kinds of sentiments mentioned within the context of God's word and as we think about Christian spirituality. These things I am meant to experience as a Christian. I find it deeply comforting that our faith makes space to express such thoughts and questions. 
It means that when we experience such things ourselves, times of crisis and questioning, Scripture reminds us that we are not alone. Times of crisis and darkness and questioning have always been part of the Christian experience and a walk of faith. We can have faith and yet still grapple with these things. In fact, it's healthy. There are those who have gone before us who went through incredibly dark times in their lives. And yet God brought them through. And even in the midst of it, it felt like that season would never end or they would never survive it. But God was with them. The oldest Christian story in the Christian faith is the story of Job. It reminds us that there are times of profound suffering in our lives accompanied by silence. It's a story about losing everything in the darkness and despair which that brings. And that is part of the human experience. For all of us there will be times when we experience the long dark night of the soul. It will look different for all of us. We all go on our own personal journeys. But we will pass through it. Like Job, the long dark night of the soul is not something that is self-inflicted because of sin. The story of Job makes that clear. There are some times that through foolishness and wrong choices we can be the architect of our own crisis. But what we're talking about today is a time of suffering and silence which God allows in our lives. Often as a means of spiritual growth or as an opportunity for our lives to be a witness to others or to bring glory to himself through our lives. So passing through a dark time in your life does not mean that you're a lesser or weaker Christian. As painful as it is or will be, it is a time which often God has prepared you for. And he allows it because he knows how he wants to work in our lives and form us. And the beauty of the Psalms is that when we go through these difficult times in our lives, these Psalms give us the language to put into words that which is often so hard to express. In those times of darkness, it is hard to find the right words and language to express our fears and emotions and that disconnect we can sometimes feel from God. Because often in the depths of what we are going through, such feelings and experiences may well be new to us. Well, the question for us this morning is how do we navigate such times? Times when the light seems to have disappeared and we are overwhelmed by circumstances and emotions and what seems like a spiritual disconnect or even abandonment by God. How do we maintain our spirituality at such times when our experience is that darkness has become our closest friend? One of the encouragements that comes from the writing of St John of the Cross is that the long dark night of the soul is not a place which is removed from the presence of God. God is present in the darkness even though sometimes it feels that his presence is concealed 
promise. Let always remember that God has a different perspective on the darkness that we are experiencing than we ourselves do. We might not be able to see him. We may not be able to see what is ahead of us. We might not be able to see that moment of salvation that will come from this crisis. But God at all times can see you. He can always hear us, even in the darkness. He is present with us. And he knows the timing of when his light will shine again. Psalm 139 verse 11 and 12 says this. If I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. As you know, God willing, in February I'm going to be a dad again. Uh, and one of the profound moments for me when I first became a dad uh, was just getting a new insight into the, the characteristic of God and his presence with us. Remember when the kids were younger that you would put them down to sleep in the cot? Uh, you'd turn off the light and you would retreat. And inevitably there would be times when in the darkness they would begin to cry out. In fact, as with all babies, they would begin to scream. Got that ahead of me again. And they would want you to be with them. To pick them up and be present with them and put the light back on. And yet, although they couldn't see you, you were always just there by the door, watching and hearing everything, uh, there to ensure that nothing would happen to them or to intervene if needed. But there was something for them to learn in the darkness. And as hard as a parent it was to watch and to hear those cries and not intervene, you chose to wait and to watch for their good. Friends, there's times that we can't see God, but he is there. He is present with us in that circumstance, in that moment, in that room, wherever we are, watching and waiting. We maybe can't see him. We maybe can't hear him, but he can see us and he can hear us and he will speak and act again. And that is the most powerful thing for us to cling on to at times of suffering and silence. It is the biblical promise that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. And he will speak and act again. And this is an important principle for us to cling on to in difficult times. What we experience never overrides biblical truth. There's an encouragement in that. There'll be times that you feel that God is not there. But is that the truth? The answer is no. The Bible reminds us of his constant presence with us. He is there even if we cannot sense his presence. And we need to let that biblical truth encourage us today. And we need to ensure our experiences in life do not lead us to a place of wrong thinking about God or dismissing what God has said 
in the truth of his word. You know, Pete Gregg has written a book that has been helpful to many over the years. It's just been republished and it's called God on Mute. It deals with times of silence from God and times of unanswered prayers. This is an old copy of it. Uh, I remember being given this copy many years ago. Uh, it was given to me the day before a friend was in a very serious car crash. Uh, and were in hospital for months uh, recovering from that. Unclear as if they would uh, survive or not. And this book speaks into this issue that we're thinking about this morning. And not just from a biblical basis, which it does so helpfully in a theoretical basis, but also from real lived personal experience, both of Pete Gregg, of times of suffering and silence in his own life, and as he journals uh, what other friends have gone through as well. And so I commend the book to you, uh, especially the new version. I think it comes with a, a kind of 40 day study guide uh, to help you through it. But there's a section in this book which is really helpful and I've just drawn together uh, some of the thoughts um, from it and I just want to read it to you this morning. It's a slightly longer section but bear with me because I think this is incredibly helpful for all of us today. And so it says this. The power to choose God's will instead of one's own personal preference is, according to scripture, the defining human opportunity. In the Garden of Eden, our ancestors first prayed the tragic prayer that we have been praying ever since. Not your will, they said to God, greedily eyeing the fruit of knowledge and power. Not your will be done, but our will be done. In that one cataclysmic moment of decision, lust and craving corrupted the human psyche. Passing from heart to heart through the placenta from one generation to the next. And so in another garden, another Adam must make another choice that will reverse the one made at the dawn of human history. Every human instinct of survival cries out against what Jesus knows he must do. Every rational argument insists on self-preservation. And subtler voices too. Promise that a single prayer even now could summon more than 12 legions of angels to his side amidst the dark prospect of becoming a sin offering. The most terrifying prospect of all, separation from God himself. No wonder Jesus cries, Father, take this cup from me. And surely on hearing the cry, there are tears in the father's eyes and his hand moves immediately to do just that. Then he hears another word. Yet. And on that single word from Jesus, I imagine traffic screaming to a halt and birds falling from the sky. The father's hand pauses by the cup. Heaven falls silent in suspense. Hell jeers, drooling with lust for blood and power. Too stupid to understand its own undoing. 
yet not my will. And perhaps the screams of delight in heaven were so loud when they heard those four words from the lips of the one whose will had tormented them for so long. But they never heard the final five words. But your will be done. A little later, during his arrest, Jesus would tell the guards, this is your hour when darkness reigns. In surrendering to the will of God and the satanic onslaught to come, Jesus showed us the way to overcome, the way to subvert the reign of darkness. It is sometimes not to stand and fight, but rather to submit. As we all know, it can be incredibly difficult to discern what God wants in any given situation. Embarrassingly, I would probably have prayed passionately against the plot to crucify Jesus. The prospect of his death would have seemed demonically wrong and utterly opposed to the purposes of God in every way. There are Bible verses that I could have quoted to prove that my prayers were in line with God's will. What's more, common sense would surely have railed against the termination of Christ's ministry at a time when it was proving more fruitful than ever before. The Apostle Peter took this understandable position and tried to talk Jesus out of the cross, but when he did, Jesus rebuked him in the strongest possible terms for resisting the will of God. Of course, a few days later, the ultimate example of unanswered prayer would become the greatest miracle of all time. As we mature in Christ, we begin to understand that God's logic is really ours and that his path to joy is often marked by suffering. The world is full of people prepared to trust God for promotion, prosperity and healing. And this is good for God loves us and wants to give good gifts to his children. But as we mature spiritually, God asks us to trust him in the hard times as well. There is faith for life, but also a darker faith for death. There is faith for miracles, but also pain. There is faith for when God's will is our will too. But there is also grace to trust God when his will is not what we would choose. I feel humbled, provoked and inspired by those friends of God who manage to choose his will instead of their own, even when every part of their heart and soul is screaming. No. I think that's helpful for us this morning. Helpful for us to understand a deeper spirituality that can bear the test of silence and suffering. It is in no ways easy. It often goes against all our human instincts. It requires a deep faith. Faith which I believe is often a gift from God in those moments. 
but it also involves choice and submission, as it did for Jesus in the garden. The way to navigate such times of darkness and despair is not to fight against it, but to yield to God and then let him carry us through while each day we trust afresh in him and in his word. It can be hard to submit to the will of God when it involves suffering and silence for us or for our loved ones. This is not easy. But as I look out the window again, I am reminded that those trees which are now looking a bit bare and devoid of life will bear leaves again a new life. And that's the promise of the gospel this morning for us. Suffering and death never have the last word. Jesus does. In the darkness, his light will shine again. In the silence, his voice will speak again. In our suffering, his salvation will come. Perhaps not always in the way that we would choose. But his goodness will prevail and that is the hope of heaven. And so we trust in the Lord this morning. We commit ourselves and those we love to the Lord. And we thank the Lord that the final word always belongs to him. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Shall we pray? Father God, we commit ourselves and those we love into your gracious hands this morning. Think of those within the church family uh, who are going through dark times. Many of us are. We want to just name especially Gail and the family before you. Frida and George, Mary and Isabel. And Lord, we pray that in this darkness of this moment, that they would know that you are with them and that you are with them in the darkness of whatever this next week holds. We thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you that you are trustworthy. And so Lord, for those who are struggling in their own strength this week, we thank you that we're never meant to do life in our own strength, but you are there to carry us. And so we commit them into your hands. And for all of us this week, we pray that we might just know in your grace and your mercy, uh, just something of your presence with us, either an experience or just by the deep truth of your word resonating with us and carrying us through those days and those moments when perhaps we don't feel you near us. Thank you again that you never leave us nor forsake us. In the name of Jesus. Amen.